Well, hey, everybody, it's good to be here. My name is Ryan. I'm one of the pastors on staff. We're so glad you're in person or online. And uh, Easter was a great time last week, so just uh, so thankful for that. And just was a really sweet time of worship and the word and um, just, you know, appreciate what everyone puts into help make that happen the weekend with all the Good Fridays and all that stuff. So thank you, team. Um, what we're doing now is we're going to pivot a little bit. We're going to transition um, into a new series, a series called Empowered. And, and Empowered is where a lot of, a lot of vineyard churches nationally are syncing up to talk about kind of what makes us vineyard. And maybe this is your first time, what's the vineyard, why am I here, is this a church, or do you guys have wine? Maybe you're not sure what you walked into today. Well, we hope to give you a taste of different kind of wine that's hopefully a little better and less bitter on some level. But, but like the vineyard churches, the vineyard is an association of churches. There's 553 vineyard churches currently um, in the United States as of a couple weeks ago. So maybe that number's changed. Hopefully there's more, not less. And there's a little under 3,000 churches worldwide that are vineyard churches. And it's an association of churches. I would not say we're like a denomination, but I wouldn't say that we're not either. Uh, people higher than me in the organization may, may not love that statement, but it's a fact. I mean, we're a tribe that's working towards common goal. And we have common vision, value, mission, purpose, kind of common language and distinctives that make, us, that make us the vineyard. And one of the things that I would say is one of the most prime distinctives of the vineyard movement. Anyone seen, uh, seen the movie recently, Jesus Revolution? So if you're wondering, that is where the vineyard church was born out of. Out of the, Cal uh, out of the Calvary Chapel churches in vineyard was kind of like, if Calvary Chapel's going this way, Vineyard was just going this way, and the, and the Vineyard leaned a lot into the presence, to being people of the presence. A lot of the miracles that happened on the beach and in some of the things, like, like the Vineyard was kind of the charismatical bent of the um, Jesus revolution. So a lot of the stuff that was at the impetus of that, that I would say Calvary Chapel didn't lean into as much, the vineyard kept on that course of what um, started us also defines us. And so we would say we want to be people of the presence. And what we're going to talk about the next seven weeks is, and we're not talking about some charismaniac sideshow or some bizarre gift circus. We're not talking about that. We're talking about the Holy Spirit. You can walk into vineyard services across the world and across our nation and city, and you hear a little phrase very often. We say, come Holy Spirit. That the Holy Spirit's present in what we do. But we also believe that the best present of the Holy Spirit is not the present with a T, but the presence with a C-E. That we just wanna be people of the presence, that our lives, the thing that makes us different is the presence of Jesus that Jesus is present via his presence. And so we're gonna unpack the next seven weeks up to uh, Pentecost Sunday, which is May 28th, Memorial Day weekend. And we're gonna look at what are the vineyard distinctives that make us people of the presence. So um, if that's hard to track with, what we're gonna talk about, and really that starts with, who is the Holy Spirit? 
Maybe you've been in the vineyard a long time and this is just kind of second nature to you. Or maybe you've come from another um, kind of denominational movement or uh, like religious proclivity in your upbringing. And so the, what is, it's a little different around here, the talk about the Holy Spirit, the focus on the Holy Spirit, the emphasis on prayer is different. These are the things that uh, make us distinct. And one of the things that the vineyard values really is the quest for the radical middle. There's actually a book on the vineyard history with that exact, exact title uh, uh, by this dude, Bill Jackson, The Quest for the Radical Middle. In the vineyard, we want to be heavenly minded and earthly good. We are not Democrats or uh, Republicans. We, are, we don't want to run on this pole of being like, you know, charismaniacs, but we also don't want to be the frozen chosen who wouldn't know the Holy Spirit if it ran over him with a dump truck. So we, we want to be people in the middle that are anchored in the word and walk in the spirit. And so today, we're going to kick off, we're going to talk about some of the personality of the Holy Spirit. We believe the Holy Spirit has a personality. But I want to um, show a video first. Um, anyone in here ever heard of Alpha? Alpha is kind of a great uh, vineyard thing that's kind of expand outside the vineyard. That's kind of I like the beginning. Alpha, you just think of the alphabet or in the Hebrew language, the Aleph Beit. The Aleph is the first letter, so it just like means beginning. So when Jesus says, I'm the Alpha and the Omega, he's talking about like the Greek alphabet. I'm the first and the last. So we're gonna uh, watch a video from Alpha where they ask people, who is the Holy Spirit to you? Who is the Holy Spirit? I know who, 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 sorry. I don't know. That's a tough one. Um, it's... Uh... God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. They're all like a trinity. Angels? I don't know. It's, it's God. I think the Holy Spirit is different for everyone. Wouldn't that be your conscience? Uh, I have no, I don't really have a, a lot of, I don't know, I don't know who the Holy Spirit is, I mean, I don't know. Third person of the Trinity? Uh, the Holy Spirit? I've never even really put much thought into that. So there's a lot of confusion about the Holy Spirit, who, who the Holy Spirit is. And I think that it's not just confusion amongst people who don't know God, I think, honestly, we live in a cultural climate where a lot of Christians are very confused about holy, who the Holy Spirit is. Uh, George Barner Research recently uh, released a study, and they studied Christian trends, and they surveyed people. It said 62% of Christians no longer believe the Holy Spirit's a real being. So that means six out of 10 born-again people don't even believe it's really God with us. So I think a lot of people have kind of chalked the Holy Spirit up either to Jiminy Cricket, like this conscience, like you read the word and you're convicted, or maybe Halo Renaissance Jesus, of this thing that just put the light around Jesus' head that no one else has access to. And I think that there's this um, misunderstanding that people just... Um, maybe see him as a symbol or a presence of God's power randomly as God dispenses. And I think to a lot of 
mainline denominations in our country, the Holy Spirit's an afterthought. We have whole denominations in our country that would identify as cessationist. Say cessationist. 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 Say cessationist. Sound like Sid the Sloth. Okay? Cessationist. What that basically means is people who believe the gifts ceased in the book, after the book of Acts. That they believe the Holy Spirit stopped being what the Holy Spirit was. And it's a very interesting take. It's a very interesting perspective. It's hugely fallacious. And I think that 62% of our churches believe it underscores why our nation is choking in its own vomit of sin and walking away from the Lord in mass. Don't just look at the fruit, look at the root. I think churches that don't believe the Holy Spirit's active, I think um, Jesus will talk about them like some of the churches in Revelation will come and be like, hey, you had this fervor, you had whatever, but you lost your first love. I believe the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is the one who helps us fall in love with Jesus. We're gonna read in a little bit. Jesus says, no one comes in the Father unless the Spirit draws him. So the Holy Spirit enables us to know Jesus, to fall in love with Jesus, to be like Jesus, to stay with Jesus. And so there's this whole move of people who would treat the Holy Spirit almost like it's an afterthought. And I think it's very dangerous, but I also think it's very part and parcel for where we are as a church because something happened years ago in the late 1600s after the Renaissance was this age of reason, this enlightenment. There was this, um, the scientific method was developed. I think, ergo, I am sort of thing, like the John Kant, uh, like Rene Descartes and all this existentialism was birthed out of it. Like if it exists, we can quantify it, we can measure it, uh, repeat it, duplicate the scientific method. And so we saw like a trajectory where the sciences Increase from basically alchemy and weird stuff to more algorithm. Could we prove it? Could we repeat it? Could we create things? So there was a lot of good things that came as we moved out of the dark ages into the Renaissance. And then the Renaissance was the segue to the Enlightenment. And so some of the good stuff is a lot of the advancement in technology and medicine and nutrition came out of this age. But there was also a thing in it that where man became more dependent upon man and became less dependent upon God. And one of the things that the Vineyard value is we want a continual dependence upon Jesus. We don't think it has to be either or. We think it's both and. Because a lot of the people who were spurring that enlightenment were great Christian thinkers, philosophers, leaders. But it took its own trajectory. And the... Um, the thing is, is there's been a lot of confusion when translators um, get in the middle. And, and the translators of our age, a lot of times, are the pastors, or the thinkers, or the artists, or the writers. And we have a lot of these people who honestly don't even believe in the Holy Spirit. To them, to many people, um, the Trinity would be the Father, Son, and Holy Bible. That the Holy Bible would be the other part of the Trinity. And because the Holy Spirit, if 62% of people don't believe in it, and at least 62% of American churches are cessationists, we, you don't have to wonder much longer 
why people, and, and I'm not saying that the word's not important because the word's imperative. It says like Jesus, do you know Jesus is called both the Bible and the spirit? Acts chapter 16, verse seven says the spirit of Jesus. And Jesus says, I'm the word made flesh. So Jesus is this thing with skin on and the spirit is the spirit of Jesus, the ethos of Jesus that emanates. So who's the Holy Spirit to you? What's your understanding of the Holy Spirit? Does the Holy Spirit walk with you daily? Does the Holy Spirit empower you? Does the Holy Spirit guide you? Does the Holy Spirit help you? Does the Holy Spirit lead you? Or is it just some, is he some nebulous thing that you're not sure if it's real? You're not sure what to believe. You're not sure what to make of it. You're not sure if he's with you. And we're gonna explore all these questions in detail the next seven weeks. So you don't have to be all in. You might walk in here like, I'm a cessationist, or I don't really believe in this stuff, or I think the Holy Spirit's weird. I don't, I don't get this stuff. That's fine. We're gonna help, hopefully help walk through some of the, um, the Holy Ghost-ness of it. Some translations call the Holy Spirit the Holy Ghost, and to some people, he's just that. He's a cipher. He's strange. He's hard to decipher. He's hard to navigate. It's spooky. It's strange. Is the Holy Spirit to you, is he the Wizard of Oz? Is he kind of uh, the smoke screen, but there's really a man behind the curtain, and the Holy Spirit's just a joke? It's a facade. I'm not down on this healing stuff. Or when people say, I heard from God, or God talked to me, you think, you know, a little bit. And I think that there's this thing that the Holy, the Holy Spirit is, um, I think in some ways in our lives, and this might sound crazy, I think in some ways in our lives, we look in the world we live in, the Holy Spirit may be the most important element of all of this. You might say, well, that's blasphemy. Well, God says that he is spirit and his believers will worship him in spirit and in truth. So he calls himself that. We wanna say God is love. He calls himself love. God is love. Jesus says God is spirit. Jesus came to define who God is who God was, and the Holy Spirit defines who Jesus will be in the way forward. Jesus says, Jesus calls, it's called his spirit. That he says the spirit of Jesus in the book of Acts, like I said a minute ago. So the Holy Spirit is so important because I think that the Holy Spirit is the segue that brings it together for us. It's the way God has chosen throughout history to move throughout his people. If you look in um, Gideon, Moses, Isaiah, Samson, Joshua, Ezekiel, the prophet Joel, the Holy Spirit was the thing that was promised in the, in the last days that would bring the whole thing together. That the wholeness of time, the fullness of time, this Kairos season God was doing would be ushered in by the Holy Spirit. By a, remember in Ezekiel, he said, I'll give you a new heart in a new spirit. And Joel says, I'll pour out my Holy Spirit on all flesh, the great regulator of the covenants of God, the old and the new, the one who would bring it in, who would change it from an archaic, patriarch-based uh, thing 
into a certain people in a nation like the size of New Jersey would be the Holy Spirit wouldn't just be given to certain individuals for certain tasks, but I'll pour my spirit out on all flesh. And this revealer, the Holy Spirit is a revealer. Say with me, the Holy Spirit is a revealer. Is a revealer. He reveals who God is. He's Christ in us who reveals God's plan to the world. He reveals the scripture to us. The Holy Spirit is the great revealer who brings the revelation of God. The Holy Spirit changes our hearts. He reveals God to our hearts. He reveals God to our minds. He reveals God to and through our lives. He gives us love. He gives us new desires, new passions. He gives us a fresh perspective. He aligns us with heaven. He doesn't just make us go to church. It's not just some smart guy or gal who talks about this book and then we get some good ideas and we post a clip on Twitter and then that's all it is. Jesus intended so much more than that. So we're gonna read right now about who Jesus says the Holy Spirit is. If you've got a Bible, turn with me to John chapter 16, verses one through 15. It says this. These things I have spoken to you so you, so you will not be led into sin. This is Jesus giving his disciples really their last whole discourse before the day of Gethsemane, before the garden, so we're working backwards from last week. Jesus has his disciples, and he's saying this to them. I've spoken these things so you will not be led into sin, led astray. They, meaning like the religious leaders, the Roman government, your contemporaries, they will ban you from the synagogue. Yet an hour is coming when everyone who kills you will think he is offering a service to God. These things they will do because they have not known the Father nor me. Very important, this language here. They have not known the Father or me. So backing up on the thing that I said about the Holy Spirit, about the importance of it, watch how this plays out. But these things I have spoken to you so that when their hour comes, you will remember that I told you of them. However, I did not say these things to you at the beginning because I was with you. So Jesus, if you think about it, Jesus has this thing where Jesus lived for a man for 30 years and he lived this sinless life. And Jesus walked in the power of God, but at the baptism of John, the Holy Spirit descended upon Jesus. Jesus like, goes under and says, this is my son whom I love, with him I'm well pleased. Jesus comes up full of the Spirit and we see Jesus doing things other people couldn't. Okay, And that's to signify what, what God was going to do. And so the way Jesus is talking here to his disciples is about to sound crazy for them. But I am going to him who sent me. And none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, grief has filled your heart. Jesus basically said, listen, I'm going to go. And they're all like, what on earth? We thought you were the one to come to kick butt, take names, and change the whole system. And Jesus is flipping this thing on its head, and they don't even know what to say. They are taciturn at Jesus telling them he's going away. And to make it even stranger for them, Jesus says, but I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I am leaving. For if I do not leave, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. 
And again, can you imagine the, how bewildered these guys were? Like thinking, wait, you're the king. You're talking about this kingdom. How do we have a kingdom without a king? But Jesus has the audacity to say, it's better for you if I go away. Like, they're like just sitting there a little bit. I mean, they, he just said, he even called them out. Like, you don't even know what to say about this. But he says, when he comes, he will convict the world regarding sin and righteousness and judgment. Sometimes when we've relegated Christianity to the preacher and to the Bible, we miss out and we wonder why people aren't coming to Christ. Because what if that creature... What if that preacher doesn't really believe in this word very much? Or what if they're not walking in the power of the Spirit? We're missing out on the conviction of sin, of righteousness, of judgment of the things to come. Jesus says the Holy Spirit does these things. The Holy Spirit reveals to people their sin, their brokenness, their need. The Holy Spirit puts on people's heart Righteousness, that we look at the world differently and we see pockets where things are maligned, where things are bent, where things are lost. And Jesus wells up through his spirit this thing in our hearts with righteousness to do the stuff, to make a change, to, to dent the, the carnage and, and dent it so much that the kingdom of light, life can burst through. And so Jesus does this stuff by his spirit. He reveals these things to us. And then he says in judgment, the Holy Spirit reveals that the world's under judgment. The Holy Spirit reveals heaven. In the great revelation of heaven, it reveals the other side of the coin of hell. It's real. Heaven and hell are real. Spirit, that the Holy Spirit reveals who God is where God is and what he's like. And it reveals that his heart wants everyone to be with him. He doesn't want anyone to perish, but that there is also a casting off point for people who won't bend their knee. The Holy Spirit reveals this. And some people just give him the one finger salute and keep going. Or other people say, yes, I need your kingdom. I'm convicted by my sin. I see the brokenness in the world. I see how fallen this place is. I wanna be with you forever. Not just escape judgment, but I wanna be with you now. Do you know the Holy Spirit is how we live the kingdom now? The Holy Spirit is how we do the stuff now. The Holy Spirit isn't just life insurance and a lot of, or fire insurance. And a lot of the church, devoid of the Holy Spirit, is cheapening the gospel to fire insurance. Like, you don't wanna go to hell, do you? Nope, all right, we'll sign up. Let's get baptized and keep moving. And if the Holy Spirit is, the, the, the heart of discipleship is the Holy Spirit at its core. Up, if you, we talk about up in and out all the time. Up is God, vertical, the verticalness, the gods in heaven, that he's one to be praised. He's greatly to be worshiped. He's worthy of our praise. Out, this missional thrust. Well, in, in is the place where the Holy Spirit, through discipleship, connects heaven and earth. The earth is dirty and broken and lost, so it needs a touch of heaven to come into it to transform it. Well, in, in, in disciple-making relationships, on our fellowship and fellowship, as we live in the Spirit, when the Spirit reveals those things to us, 
We praise the Father well and we change the world simultaneously. That's why discipleship's so important. The Holy Spirit is how we live out discipleship. The Holy Spirit is how we please the Father. And we're gonna keep reading now. And he says, I will send him to you. When he comes, he'll convict the world. And then he says, regarding sin. He said, regarding sin because they don't believe me. And regarding righteousness, because I'm going to the Father, you're no longer going to see me. And regarding judgment, because the ruler of this world has been judged. I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot bear them at the present time. I want to hang out on that for one second. The Holy Spirit is a revealer. The Holy Spirit reveals things to us. Sometimes in disciple making, it can be very easy to judge other people where they are. It can be easy to judge the habits of others, the choices of others, maybe the spirituality of others or the sin of others. But Jesus isn't like that. Jesus isn't like that. To the person who's so far away, like have you ever looked at something from far away, like the mountains? You ever, anyone ever seen mountains in here? And you look at the mountain and you can go like this. But as I say, I'm looking at James from up there, he's like this, but as I get closer and closer, the dude gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And I'm like, I'm face to face with him. I know that was weird, but I love you. It's, it's like this thing, as you get closer, the object is bigger and more vivid. God from far away can seem like this. Like I got it sized up. That's what church is. That's what the kingdom of heaven is. That's what he's like. But as we press in, as the Holy Spirit draws us closer and closer, we start seeing him more and more. And one of the things that the Holy Spirit will reveal to us is everyone's not in the same place. Everyone's not in the same place, but we're in the place where God's drawing and pulling us. And so sometimes people are further off because they're further away or they've been saved not as long. I've been a Christian for almost 32 years. I should have some spiritual maturity that like a a 10-year-old doesn't or maybe a 10-year-old and the Lord doesn't. That doesn't give me right to judge, doesn't give me right to be cruel, but as I'm growing, like in my Christian walk, one of the things I'm seeing like more and more, like man, I can, I can be a judgmental jerk. I can make snap judgments about people. Or I can have blind spots that don't please God because the closer and closer I get to Jesus, I see that he's not, he's not desiring to judge people. Like he actually puts off judgment as long as he can because he wants everyone to be saved. And so as I'm getting older, where I used to be like real snap and this and that and it's exacting, I felt my heart breaking more and more in how I judge people and the things I say or the things I think about other people. Because I'm seeing God more clearly and the closer I get to him, the more vivid that he is. And the bigger he becomes, the closer I get. And the Holy Spirit's job is to pull us from where we're really far away Our hearts are far from God, talks about in the book of Acts. And then God pulls us closer to start seeing God as he is. And when we get really close to God, you know who we see? We see Jesus. We're looking for God. We're pulled by the Holy Spirit. When we get close to God, we see Jesus. Because Jesus says, when you've seen the Father, or when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Jesus says, and you can't bear them, but when he said, the spirit of truth will come, he'll guide you into all truth. For he will not speak of his own, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will disclose to you 
what is to come. He will glorify me, for he will take from mine and disclose it to you. All things the Father has are mine. That's why I said he takes from mine and he will disclose it to you. Jesus, the Holy Spirit, is the revealer. He's the revelator. The book of Revelation is just the revealing. It's the revealing of the plan of God. Revelation, reveal. Revolution fits in that like etymology of the word that when people realize something, realize revolution, when they realize that, they revolt against what was because they're being revealed that it's not right. So revolution, there's this Jesus revolution, uh, like the movie was called. And there was this time when God was stirring up things in our country that there was the hippies, there was the war, there was the, the, the brokenness that came back from World War II, there was a more interconnected world economy. And at this time, God chose to reveal Jesus in a way where things had been dormant for a long time. And if you wanna look at the greatest ills in the world, you have to look no further than the time when the Holy Spirit was muted the most, from about 1890 to about 19. 19- 90. There was more bloodshed in the 20th century than all other centuries combined. Yet there was more technological advancement in that century than all other world, uh, all other eras combined. But we had muted the presence of God and we had venerated the presence of man. And again, I'm not saying technology's bad, advancement's bad, but in the hearts of people is always to kill, steal, and destroy. It's always to push power. It's always to wield influence where it's not ours. It's always to promote ourselves to the place of God. And what the Holy Spirit does when God reveals him to our lives is he reveals who God really is, that we're not on that throne, that we really don't have the power we think we have that we don't understand things the way we do. But if we will tap into the Holy Spirit, so Jesus saying, it's better for you if I go away, What he was in essence saying is, me everywhere and all of you is better than just me localized here. He was changing the whole thing because he was gonna rule the earth. He was gonna rule the earth through his subjects. And there's this great verse in the book of Luke where it says that Jesus sent the disciples ahead of him to all the places he planned to visit. Do you know wherever you go, wherever I go, God wants us to go out like Jesus did, full of the spirit, full of wisdom, full of revelation. Like it said there, like I'll tell you what to say. I'll send you out. Here's what you'll do. Here's how you'll do it. Do you know the Holy Spirit wants to reveal God's will to you every step of the way? Wherever you go tomorrow, when you go to your job, he wants to visit there. He's sending you ahead of him because he wants to visit. When you go to school, he wants to visit there. When you go to the PTA meeting, he wants to visit there. When you go to 7-Eleven, when you go to Walmart, when you go to the doctor, Jesus is sending you ahead of him because he wants to visit. And the Holy Spirit, what it reveals, do you know what the Holy Spirit is? It's Christ in us, Colossians says. Christ in us is the Holy Spirit. So to the movements, that have forgotten or cast aside or forgotten or muted the Holy Spirit, we've muted the power of God in our lives dramatically. I'm not saying they're not Christians. I'm just saying that um, I think it's a very, I wouldn't even call it a tenth of Christianity if you're living without the Spirit. Because it says those who have the Spirit of God are the sons and daughters of God. 
And the plan all along, if you look back to Adam and Eve, if you look back to Adam and Eve, what was taken from them? When God closed up Eden, God put a wall, God put a veil, the veil in the temple that we talked about a little bit, around Easter we talked about every year. There was a veil put up that kicked people out of Eden and veiled the presence of God to human beings. Well, all these prophets forecast that there would be a time when he would pour out his spirit again on all flesh because Jesus, the second Adam, didn't sin like the first Adam did. And so when Jesus died and he was crucified, literally that veil that was on the temple, the temple mount, there's a literal historic earthquake. Uh, Josephus talks about it. There was a little, literal earthquake through the center of the temple, ripped the veil in two. What Jesus was doing again is he says, it's better if I go away because more than the first Adam, it was just to him and everyone else, but he closed it off. He said, the second Adam passed the test and through my life, when my life's ripped in half like that veil, the spirit will burst forth and he'll reveal everything to you you need to know about me being God, that you need to know about heaven, that you need to know about the word, that you need to know about accomplishing the plan that I've given you. The Holy Spirit's really important. It's the gift of God. When we deny it or we minimize it or we talk bad, do you know that blasphemy is? You know what blasphemy is? The one unpardonable sin is actually calling the work of God, the spirit of God, the work of demons. God thinks so highly of the Holy Spirit that the talk about the Holy Spirit is unforgivable to him. That's... That's heavy. And the Spirit of God wants to reveal. Do you know what the Holy Spirit reveals? What he exists for? Is to reveal the heart of Jesus to the world. The Holy Spirit exists to illumine the word of God. The Holy Spirit exists to empower us to do the things Jesus did. And a lot of times we just treat salvation like it's the cross. And the cross is like the great emblem of Christianity, and that's great, but Jesus isn't on the tree. Jesus isn't on the tree. I think the other side of the coin, the first part of grace is the cross. Jesus paid it all. He took the test. I get as great if I want it. But now, now, I don't have to, do you know that you're still powerless to be any different than you were before you got saved if you don't receive the Holy Spirit? That's basically like just that one day, the flash in the pan, you get the, the grade in eighth grade that sends you into ninth grade. Well, guess what? Without that grand grace, you're gonna fail high school too because you're just as dumb as you were before, right? Spirit of God says you're all too dumb, but I'm gonna give you what you need. You're all too powerless. I'm gonna give you what you need. You're all too un, um, like incapable. I'm gonna give you what you need. By that work of the cross, I tear the veil and I give my spirit back to human beings. The tree that Adam and Eve ate from that broke it all, well, Jesus died on a different tree. And just like that one tree represented the failure of mankind, the second tree uh, represents the victory and the success of God. And that tree closed the access. This one opens the access. And that access reveals to us the Holy Spirit of God. So the theology of the Spirit is, it's ever, ever imperative. And we're gonna talk about a lot of things of the vineyard is we wanna be people of the presence. 
We wanna be people of the presence. And so we're gonna dive into this in the weeks ahead of what it looks like to be people of the presence. Because do you know if you walk, if I walk in the power of Jesus, when we get acquainted with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit can do things in 10 minutes that would take us 10 years. You can read all the pages, study all the verses. There's atheists who study the Bible and they get further away from God by all these contradictions. Well, you know what the Spirit does? The Spirit breathes light. It gives you context for the content. And it gives you the context of heaven. And it gives you the conception of God. And God ties those things together and he illumines our hearts to the truth of the word. And do you know, even in evangelism, the Holy Spirit is how we worship God. Jesus says, in this last day, the people, you won't worship on this side of the mountain or that. But the true believers will worship me in spirit and in truth. So in our time now, what Jesus was even prophesying to this woman was we would worship him in the spirit slash by the spirit and through the spirit. And the Holy Spirit's the great evangelist. You can give out a million tracts. You can do a million good things, but when the Holy Spirit just descends on a person's heart, because say you go somewhere and you're talking to people and people are kind of turning you off. Well, you look at a dude with a broken arm. You say, bro, can I pray for your arm? What if the Holy Spirit visits and that arm's healed? Don't you think, do you think you have to convince people anymore by lofty arguments? No, the Spirit of God just did something you couldn't do, a doctor couldn't do, no one could do. The Spirit of God visit revealed to that person through the healing of their arm that Jesus was there, that there was a different power in the room. The Spirit's the revealer of God. He wants to reveal Jesus to us. He wants to reveal Jesus to us. And I'm not saying that any are more important, but I think that there's a thing in this age where we lost so much in the world, where we've lost so much because we've minimized the importance. And I think that Jesus said, the Holy Spirit will do these things. Jesus says, I'm gonna step back and I'm gonna release my spirit onto you. I'm gonna release that. And so it's really important. I encourage you the next couple weeks, open your heart. Maybe this is hard for you. Maybe this is weird for you. Maybe this is spooky for you. Maybe you're like, dude, you are nuts. Yes, I am. But, but we're going we're gonna to talk about and we're going to see about what this empowered things means. Because God has a plan to redeem the earth. But it starts with a revelation of himself, a revealing of who he is. God wants, God has... God has more for us. Maybe our efforts have fallen flat. Maybe your faith is like, I don't know, I'm tapping out, man. I will tell you, Paul says to be filled with the Spirit on every occasion. I think some of us are flatlining. Some of us are out of gas. Some of us are just near the end of our rope. And I think that a deeper, broader understanding of who the Holy Spirit is can put the wind back in your sails. Because one of the names, actually, of the Holy Spirit is Ruach. Say Ruach. Yeah, just like think you got like a big ball of peanuts. Ruach. That's what, like, that's the Hebrew word for ruach or pneuma means the breath, the wind of God. God wants to put new wind, new breath, new life into his church. So this next couple weeks, as you're um, sojourning this with us, I encourage you to invite your friends. Maybe you have been people you've been talking to about the Holy Spirit and they think you're just 
bat poo crazy. Just, we'll explain it. We'll explain it. We're gonna demonstrate it some. We're gonna show you, like, the Holy Spirit doesn't have to be some weird goon society. It's one thing, like, in the vineyard, like, we like to say is, like, listen, the Holy Spirit's weird enough, just leave your weird at home. You know, we're gonna learn the Holy Spirit does that. We don't have to bring our weird with us. But we're gonna learn to trust that some of his weird is just because he's different than us. And it gets less weird the more we tune into heaven. So I'm gonna pray. And I'm, I want you to know that if you're here and you don't know who Jesus is, he wants to reveal himself to you. Maybe you're feeling a tug during worship or something during the week, like I don't know why I'm here, or something you've said. The Holy Spirit, primary job is to, re- is to reveal Jesus. If you're feeling that tingle, that pull, it's because the Holy Spirit wants to reveal Jesus to you today. So don't leave here without us praying for you and talking with you about who that is. And if you need prayer for any sickness, illness, brokenness, hurt, hang-up habit, as our CR people would say, come on up, and we want to pray for you, and God would reveal his heart and his healing to you. So Jesus, I just thank you that um, you are with us, that God with us, God with us is actually the Holy Spirit. It's you. That's how you choose to visit and be available to your people. Help us not to lose sight of this. I pray, Lord, in this time today and the next several weeks that um, we could engender our hearts to you. And Lord, we'd be open to new things. We'd be open to your revealing of who Jesus is or who the Father is. You'd give us revelation about who we are, about our condition and our deep need for you. Would you give us revelation into what your plan is for our lives? Would you give us revelation into what the word is saying and speak to your church in this age? We love you and we bless you and it's in your mighty and powerful name we pray, Father, amen. Well, hey, if you want prayer, we'd love to pray. But this week, I encourage you to... um, Ask God to reveal himself. And go and sin less this week, all right? Love y'all.